augmented reality, digital clothing, blockchain, artificial intelligence. In this series, we look at how the big innovations and behind the scenes technologies are changing fashion. Each episode, we speak to those in the know, tech people who are influencing fashion and fashion people who are using tech in new ways. We look at what's happening now and what's coming next. I'm Megan McDowell, and this is The Tech Edit by Vogue Business. The Tech Edit by Vogue Business is brought to you in association with PayPal Credit, helping your customers buy now and pay over time. Go to paypal.com forward slash PayPal Credit to learn more. Hello, and welcome to The Tech Edit by Vogue Business. I'm Megan McDowell. This week, we are looking at one of my favorite topics, digital clothing, how it's impacting the way we try, buy, and wear our clothes. When we talk about digital clothing, we are usually referring to clothing that is worn only in the digital world. So this might mean a picture of a person is altered to be wearing something that looks real but exists only digitally. Or sometimes a three-dimensional avatar rather than a live person is portrayed wearing clothing that is a replica of clothing that exists in the physical world. Because the concept of digital clothing bridges the physical and the digital, it invites us to reconsider what is real and what is fake and what that means for fashion. My guests this week are Morton Grubach, Executive Creative Director of Vice, a creative agency, Candice Fragus, Fashion Director at Fashion Game Dressed, and Vogue Italia's Creative Director, Ferdinando Verderi. Welcome. Thanks for joining us. Hello. Hi. Hi. So let's start, as we do, each week by taking a look at where this all started. So Morton, I'd love to take it to you. So in late 2018, you worked on a project with Scandinavian retailer Carlings, which sells jeans and t-shirts, and they wanted to create a marketing campaign to promote the fact that they were starting an e-commerce site. So they came to you. But when you pitched them your idea, it was something that was pretty unexpected. So tell us about that whole story. Of course. I was so into all the stuff that was happening with the virtual influencers like Lil Michaela. Mm. And I was thinking to myself, is there's like uh, virtual influencers now, they, they're probably going to change the game going ahead. There must also be digital fashion as an inventory on a web shop 10 years from now. So, and, and mixed up with that and the fact that a lot of the overconsumption in the fashion industry is due to social media we thought to ourselves, like, maybe if we can create the uh, digital collection that you can only wear in the digital space, um, mm-hmm. could be something that existed uh, 10 years from now. So that's, that mm-hmm. was the idea. So we went to Oslo to, to pitch this idea about a digital collection to the board. Um, and I remember the room after presenting this idea, it was completely quiet and, and nobody really <laughs> responded in any way or kind so of stressful. gave any feedback. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was for sure. So they said the only thing they actually said, and they were Norwegian, so of course a little bit quiet from the beginning. So they said, like, we're going to call you back. And they called us back, I think, two days after and and said, like, so we cannot do this because, first of all, you're Mm -hmm. talking about sustainability. And when fashion brands talk about sustainability, it always ends up wrong. And at the same time, we don't really understand the idea completely. <laughs> so, so again, we can you can you come up with some new ideas, same boldness, uh, but without and, and make sure we understand it. So another so invite, genius idea, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly the classic. So so we invited them to come back two weeks after and and actually pre- be presented for new ideas. But what we did was kind of like we built out the strategy behind this digital collection and presented the same thing one more time and. 
they actually ended up uh, buying into it, I guess, because they finally understood it. Let's go back to this thing about sustainability, because as I understand it, the customer could pay about 20 euro and then they could send in an image of themselves and have Carlings kind of put a new garment on their image. So that's that's the concept. But I think what's interesting is that this kind of combines Instagram fashion, like the fast fashion idea with sustainability and shopping. That's so interesting. But I guess, how did the consumer respond? It almost created a perfect storm. Uh, it started a huge debate about, like, first of all, the future of fashion and, and how this could be a, a sustainable solution to, to at least social mm-hmm. media and fashion going ahead. But at the same time, it was a, still a little bit uh, too tech for, for the average consumer. So I lost mm-hmm. the attention we got for, from fashion-interested people. But I think, again, the reason why this has been done before is probably because we were still doing this manually. And I guess like the idea about digital fashion has probably been around for a decade or so. But to actually execute it is extremely, really hard at that point in time mm-hmm. because technology is so far behind. So again, what, what we did of actually making it and actually making it available for the average fashion uh, people out there uh, actually start this conversation about would this be huge or would this just be uh, a marketing stunt? People could only buy 20 pieces of each item. So it was still this exclusive idea. So even though it was digital, once 20 pieces sold, that was it. So I think, I mean, that's like a really interesting concept there. A lot of the pressure created by Instagram is due to people having these extremely expensive pieces of of fashion and they Mm -hmm. flex them on Instagram. So we also wanted to use uh, digital fashion to actually democratize uh, fashion in a way, because what we believe is fashion is, is not being created by the people who have the money. Fashion is being created by the people who have the creativity and the talent to actually mix and match. So we, we decided to set the price on digital fashion low enough for people to, to actually be able to afford it as a playing tool. But at the same time, we make sure that it was not just like used for, for dressing up your boss or anything else, because you still have to at least uh, pay uh, 10 to 20 euros for a piece of fashion. So in addition to selling out, it, it won the Grand Prix at Cannes Lions, which is amazing. Um, but that's, I guess, a lot of pressure, you know, so it's it did really well. But then, it, you know, the follow-up, how do you build on that? So I, this winter, as I understand it, you worked with Carlings on a follow-up. And then this time you brought the digital designs directly to Instagram so that people could kind of dress themselves. Tell us about that project. Yeah. Sure. Um, so again, when we were done with the first program and, and Carlings was, of course, happy about the, all the attention created around this and, of course, the traffic that we actually created for, for the web store, which was the original brief. So again, we were looking at how can we take this further. And so we also, of course, uh, did a lot of evaluation. And there was two things that was really, really clear after the evaluation. The first thing was like the feeling of ownership. So when you, when you go mm-hmm. out and buy a, a physical piece of, of clothing, you, you can't instantly feel that great feeling when you're wearing it that it kind of like makes you feel like good confidence and, and you mm-hmm. really feel special in that way. And with the digital fashion, you didn't get that same emotional feeling by purchasing it. The, the emotional feeling you got was through the likes that you gain from, from actually posting uh, 
posting your picture with digital fashion. So we knew there had to be like this physical link between the digital and physical world to kind of like make the emotional appealing bigger. And then there was also the thing about we had to deploy into consumers' pockets. And even mm-hmm. though the checkout flow of the web webpage was so easy, we also knew that it's it's we needed to get it back into Instagram and, and work with all the possibilities that were in Instagram. And at that point in time, we knew that Instagram were looking into uh, tracking technology, which is the same thing as you use in face filters. So when you turn on your Instagram camera today and you point it at your, your face as a selfie, it starts to track where your eyes and your nose and your mouth is, and then you can add all these kind of filters to it. But they were mm-hmm. opening up to this new technology where you could tell it to look for other things than your face. So, so we knew that this could be our way into Instagram to actually implementing fashion into Instagram. So we created this, long story short, uh, we created this new T-shirt, which has a tracker just under the color of, uh, of the T-shirt. So when you say tracker, describe what that means. It's, it's basically a design that, that the Instagram filter can detect, right? Exactly. So okay. a tracker can be any kind of a shape, but you can also place a logo. We created this T-shirt with that tracker logo on it. And when you turn on your Instagram camera, instead of uh, like uh, picking a face filter, you can now pick a design that then got superimposed on your T-shirt. So you can actually mm-hmm. move real time while having a new uh, design on your T-shirt. So that's like, so. basically, if I buy one, the same t-shirt from Carlings with this specific logo, I can go on Carlings Instagram page and anytime that Carlings updates possible designs, just like anytime they add a new filter, I can basically change my t-shirt and wear it on Instagram. Exactly. So it's basically one t-shirt, a thousand designs. That's as easy said as it can be. Yeah, that's so interesting. Well, Candice, I'd love to turn it over to you because I know with Dressed, you also allow consumers to try different styles and play around with fashion. So you're the fashion director at Dressed, which is a fashion gaming app that debuted in October. And when you launched, you had participation from Farfetch, Prada, Gucci, Burberry. I mean, this is really a a testament to how seriously fashion is taking this. So tell us a little bit about Dressed. What's, What's unique? What's different about it? Everything is different about it, really. Dressed is essentially Mm. the first luxury multi-brand interactive gaming platform. Um, It's blending Mm -hmm. real and virtual worlds. It's combining gamification with luxury fashion and shopping. Um, Mm. It's content, it's entertainment, it's escapism, it's try before you buy, it's fantasy. It's so many things rolled into one. At the moment, the way that it works is the user comes in, they're adopting the role of a fashion stylist. Okay. And every day they have access to enter daily challenges. And these challenges are really inspired by real-time news. So the challenges are a combination of photo shoots. Within a photo shoot, you have the option of using one of our dressed fit models, of which there are currently 12. Um, mm, okay. There's also still life and mood boards. So that's kind of like... Um, Polyvore meets Instagram, which is a lot of the feedback that we got when we originally launched it. It's a real opportunity Mm -hmm. to to create a a layout, a flat lay, a mood board, an inspiration board, however you want to be creative, really. Mm -hmm. Um, You're playing with about 160 at the moment of top luxury brands, uh, really ranging from 
the contemporary world, such as Ghani, going up to real known brands like Erdem, Christopher Kane, up to the super brands, Prada, Gucci, Stella McCartney. So it's, mm-hmm. a, it's a very democratic way for a user to come in and experience a brand in a virtual world, which they would not necessarily be experiencing in the real world. Um, and this can really be a combination of factors. Either they're not interested in fashion traditionally, and mm-hmm. this is their introduction into it through gaming, or because fashion as we know it in the very luxury sense of fashion can be somewhat elitist. Not Mm -hmm. everyone can go out and afford luxury fashion. So Mm -hmm. there's a real opportunity to experience something that is traditionally quite a closed off industry. And the reason why it becomes really, I mean, there's so many reasons why it becomes so fun, but the reason why it's really interesting and the gaming part of it is you really are playing as if you are a fashion editor. So we have a a whole host of different inspiring locations as well. So you're dressing up model avatars, um, you're playing with different visuals, you're playing with fashion that then can go on to be bought or just experienced. It's Mm -hmm. a, for me, a a really bridges that gap of how can you experience a brand in Mm -hmm. a digital world, which having been in e-commerce for almost all of my career is the question that almost every brand asks. One key point that you mentioned was that these designs are digital recreations of clothing that exists in the real world. So the users can click out to buy the actual fashion from the brands, which I think is an interesting portion. And I guess it it helps, you know, encourage the fashion brands to participate in that way. Absolutely. Um, So everything can be shopped in real life. Uh, We run our retail affiliate through Farfetch, who has been our exclusive partner, but we also work with brands Mm. directly. So if a brand such as Louboutin, which we've recently done a partnership with, is not available on Farfetch, we can go directly to their website. So you're seeing Mm. the product, you're experiencing the product, and then you can go on to click through and actually buy the product. And the thing that becomes very interesting for a brand and for Mm. a user is within a challenge, you're experiencing this product for up to 10, 15, 20 minutes potentially in a challenge, which in a digital world is, it's really unheard of to have that much engagement and interaction with a brand um, or with Mm -hmm. an individual product. So you're really getting to, to play to try. And it's playing with your subconscious retail mind. I mean, I'm in it. And as someone who's not a gamer, I even catch myself using the same bag that I would never normally go for in real life. It's so cool. <laughs> head into a store and see the bag and think, oh, wow, I've styled that like 17 times in dress. I love it. It brings my attention to it and I'm in it. Totally. Well, and I want to go on to that one thing you said um, about you not being a gamer because, you know, when you think of a gamer, fashionista isn't necessarily, you know, the first group that you think about. So I, I want to talk a little bit about that because your data shows that this is actually a very important group. And more importantly, they actually are really interested in playing with digital fashion in this way. So tell me a little bit about your demographics there. Well, I mean, absolutely correct. Uh, the assumption and certainly my assumption when Lucy Yermans, yeah. our founder, approached me about dress was that this was definitely not going to be for me. I am not a gaming person. I had no idea 
about this. Yeah. Um, but actually, it's something that I'm obviously now hooked on, not just because I'm in it, but it's something mm-hmm. I'm, it's very engaging. And the thing, the stat that really got me was that 63% of mobile gamers are actually female, um, mm. which was fascinating. And for us, the demographic that we're seeing is the ages are between 21 and 39. And although mm, wow. our dress user base is predominantly female, another stat that's super interesting is we've got about 14% of men who are also playing it, even though we're only mm. presenting women's wear at the moment. How are the brands responding? Because the statistic you shared about both the demographics and the time spent, I could see that would be really interesting. So what benefits do they see in participating? Brands are responding in the most incredible way. I think timing wise, um, Mm, it's very much of the now. And the reason why I am finding and I have found over the last year and a half of speaking to brands and approaching brands, inviting them to be part of Dressed, having pitched so many startup businesses previously, this has been the easiest sell-in for me to any brand because brands are really, they're looking of how ways, how can I connect with an audience? How can it be new? How can it be meaningful? How can it be innovative? And how can we really get across an opportunity to have a user, um, a customer, a potential customer really experience a brand through their phone? through mm-hmm. their laptop. I mean, 90% of it is, um, well, majority of it is happening through phones, really. So it's a it's a question that every brand has asked me in e-commerce for many years. And this is definitely a gap that Lucy had seen. And it's definitely an opportunity that brands are jumping on board with, especially mm-hmm. now in the time that we're in right now during this lockdown yes. period as well. It's very interesting because... Although we have had great success approaching brands and almost every brand that we've approached have come on board and have been excited to engage with us, Mm -hmm. our users, right now we're being approached by a whole host more. And the great thing is we have an opportunity to really support these brands who are struggling with storytelling at a time like it is right now. Totally. Just for everyone, when we recorded this we are in lockdown right now, so no stores are open. So the only way that we can really interact with fashion, maintain those brand relationships is kind of through our devices, which I think is um, not something you could have known a year ago, but now it's actually super timely. And I bet users and engagement are just really going up for you. We're definitely, um, we've been seeing a consistent increase in our organic users anyway. Um, And right now, there definitely is an increase too. And I think generally, there is an increase in app downloads. We know there is an increase in app downloads right now. Um, Yeah. And it's understandable. (laughs) There's nothing else um, that you, I mean, there's plenty to be distracted with, but there's there's also, it's it's very limiting uh, how you can experience a brand. Right, right, right. And how you would want to. I'm not particularly interested in going out and shopping right now, but having fun with a brand and learning about a brand or experiencing a brand and escaping with it through a playful way, Mm -hmm. it's great. You could imagine that one day people might be interested in dressing up their own images um, in these clothes. Is that on the horizon at all? A selfie avatar is definitely on our roadmap. It absolutely is. 
For now, what we have is, as I said, our in-house lineup. There are 12 different avatars, which are representing various ages, various body shapes and ethnicities. Um, And we are really excited to be launching later this year our real-life supermodels, who are a host of some of the biggest names in the business who we have screened to become real-life avatar supermodels. When this was dreamed up by Lucy, it was ultimately the opportunity to have access and have unlimited access really into what this very closed off world looks like when you are behind the scenes. Fernando, I'd love to turn it over to you to talk about this idea of the future of what being a model really is and sort of what's next, because we've heard about how digital clothing is changing the way we interact with fashion, but you have worked on a project that changes the way models are being seen and how they work with fashion. So it's it's interesting because it kind of forces us to rethink what real even means. So as the creative director of Vogue Italia, you were basically the brains behind Vogue Italia's March cover shoot, which featured a digital cover model wearing clothing that was real clothing that people could buy, but it was also digitally altered. So it was an incredible cover. And when you look at it, you wouldn't know necessarily that this was not a traditional model. So tell us a little bit about this project. Yes, this project was really a provocation, an experiment. As a statement on uh, what's happening, obviously in our perception of what's real and, and what's not, and really ultimately what, what this word even means. Since we're experiencing most of our uh, life through a screen right now, especially obviously in this situation, but this was not the case when we, we created the cover. It just happened to be... Uh, you know, a timely coincidence. Um, it's obviously the, the, the big question is what is real and, and what is not, since everything is seen to a screen, obviously has the potential to be, to be manipulated, altered, and uh, created from scratch uh, in order to be seemingly real. So this was really like a, the thinking behind it. And the theme of uh, reality versus fiction is something that's always attracted me. But, you know, we, we were talking about a very specific... Uh, angle, which is uh, the girls you see in your fashion editorial and advertising. The interesting, the interesting question that we wanted to pose was about the ability to feel emotion for a human being that actually doesn't exist. And uh, obviously, mm-hmm. the answer is quite scary because it's very hard to tell that the girl on the cover is actually that does not exist. And we are we are drawn to to like her. We're drawn to to think of her as a real person. So every other girl inside the story with, with their own name and everything actually uh, completely invented by us. So this was really like the, the core of the, the question we wanted to ask with this uh, experiment. How did you create these? Because I know you had you know, photographers, stylists, you know, the, the traditional when you think of the people who worked on the photo shoot, but they're not a model in the same way. So how did you kind of go about creating these personalities, these digital models? So it was a very new process for all of us. And we, you know, I am Merton Marcus, the photographers, a lot of our cover myself in the studio, where sort of like all aligned on this provocation, but on how to get there uh, sort of became quickly clear that it was going to be an experiment. And we had a series of models that had agreed on being part of this experiment by being uh, sort of like partially featured and not never recognizable. We photographed them in um, 
in a series of positions, and then we sort of like created this database of, of features in a way. So we, we photograph every model wearing every look in the very same position, and then we basically merge the features uh, and alter them so that none of them will be recognizable even by their own features. So nothing there is real. Even the features are of these girls are altered and, uh, and completely mm -hmm. sort of reinvented. And we did it really like in front of them. We were really like, working as we were shooting. So there was no secret in the whole operation. But uh, the interesting thing was really how easy it's sort of like how effortless, I mean, uh, Merton Marcus' ability to create digital image obviously was, but how difficult the, the emotional part really became between sort of like question, like big, almost like ethical question we were asking ourselves and, uh, and big sort of emotional questions that we were going through, it became very clear that the big challenge was about how difficult it was to create someone that would actually communicate some emotion and uh, how imperfection mm -hmm. in the idea of beauty becomes important uh, to sort of maintain a sense of relatability and, uh, and like an emotional charge. Mm -hmm. I, I love that idea of perfection, you know, authenticity in fashion because it's it's really interesting in fashion because if it's a digital clothing or a digital model, you could essentially create whatever you wanted. So how did you think about making it look lifelike by having imperfections? And how did you decide what was perfect versus, you know, not perfect? Well, I feel the idea of perfection, the idea of authenticity are have taken very different routes, especially in the in the way we relate to them in the digital world. I mean, there's nothing authentic in what we did, but there is a lot of imperfection that became for us almost like, um, you know, the, a, a target to achieve as uh, it's very clear how imperfection really adds the emotional charge to, to an image, to a person, because it makes them seemingly real. That doesn't mean mm -hmm. that they are authentic, right. but there's definitely, there's definitely a quest for authenticity as a factor to allow people to actually believe in what we were doing and to then sort of like surprise them with uh, telling them that everything was fake. There's a big need in this generation that we all belong to. In the, there's a big search for authenticity. I don't think that that equals everything we see is actually real. I think authenticity has become an, uh, an aesthetic, has become a, a way to sort of believe that things are unfiltered in their process and um, that are sort of like, that involves whoever is the protagonist in a, in a very empowering and um, protagonist form. However, I feel like the tools that are at our disposal today are so powerful that then the idea of reality actually takes a different, uh, a different meaning because even in a very authentic process, uh, we're not sure that what we see is actually real because of all the tools we have at our disposal to manipulate. And the interviews of the two um, uh, minds before me, I feel like really proved this uh, is a big point. I mean, both of their processes were incredibly authentic, yet uh, they were proposing something that ultimately, ultimately played with reality. It's a really interesting question to think about the future. And my final question for you, I think, is that when you plan the March issue, it was, you know, months in advance. You couldn't have known that the whole world will be in a lockdown. So that's, it's really interesting to think about how timely this is, sort of like what Candace was saying. In the future, what are your thoughts on, on digital clothing in a, in a magazine photo shoot? Do you think one day 
you might maybe feature a cover that has only a digital design that a designer can sell online. The shoot that we created then was a very humanly intense shoot. Like there was a lot of people in one studio collaborating, two photographers, myself, the stylist. A lot of girls willingly to take um, a very active part in this project, stylist, hairdresser. So it's a shoot that could never happen today during these quarantine days. Yet the result mm -hmm. is something that speaks loudly to what we are experiencing today, which is life to a screen. Funny enough, today I think uh, the situation is somehow reversed. I think today we, we can't meet, we can't collaborate, we can't interact. But somehow we want to create images that are probably using technology to appear as real as they can be. The type of content we are asked to do now by fashion brands is completely different because it's almost like the opposite of, uh, of what happened there. Um, and that, I find that quite an interesting uh, joke, in a way, of destiny. Mm -hmm. I think it'll be just so interesting to see how creativity increases with this because we're forced to, to think of different ideas and digital solutions. So I think, I think that'll be so interesting. Um, so we're coming to the end of this episode of the Tech Edit. But before we go, we ask each guest our closing question. Morton, I'll start with you. What is the one technology that you still just do not understand? Oh, yeah. I think the world is full of the technology, I, which I don't understand. <laughs> but I have a, a really good friend who's a very talented musician, and he just uh, acquired himself a new synthesizer from the 70s. And I have no clue how that <laughs> worked. But it made so many heavy accidents, music stuff coming out of it. So, um, yeah, I'm try still trying to figure out how that works. That's so funny. So it's a, a historic technology. <laughs> For sure. That's great. So Candace, I know you have a background in fashion and technology. What about you? What what do you what tech do you still not understand? Well, I, I'm the same, really. I find so much of tech, um, even having been in it for so many years, so yeah. difficult to understand. Um, the thing that currently and consistently blows my mind right now is how Google, Alexa, and Siri um, yes. listen to us and feedback to me. And I, that, that just, it, it confuses and scares me. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And Ferdinando, what are your thoughts? What technology do you not understand? Uh, well, I could start with Facebook since I'm not even on it. But <laughs> <laughs> no, I think when it comes to a visual world, somehow we live it. And the idea of, uh, of something being virtual is our daily bread. So I'm comfortable in that in that sort of world. But when, when it comes to things like cryptocurrencies, for example, or things that are taking the idea of, uh, the idea of vir virtual to the next level, I really find myself very conservative and uh, I'm very fascinated by it, but very, I feel very naive and unknowledgeable about that whole world and every other world like that, that uh, uh, it's completely virtual. Thank you all. This has been really interesting. So thanks for joining us. Thank, Thank you, you for having me. We will be back next week with another edition of the Tech Edit podcast, diving into some of the key technologies that are changing fashion right now. Don't forget to subscribe to ensure you don't miss out on each new episode. You can find the links on Spotify, iTunes, or of course, the Vogue Business website. And for more coverage on the future of fashion and technology, subscribe to my weekly technology edit newsletter at voguebusiness.com. Our executive producer was Alad John. My name is Megan McDowell. And that was the Tech Edit.
The Tech Edit by Vogue Business is brought to you in association with PayPal Credit, helping your customers buy now and pay over time. Go to paypal.com forward slash paypal credit to learn more.